Hello, everybody. This is episode two of Cage Talk with your host, Ben Bartels. Last episode, we talked about the best performances, the knockout and submission of the year. And we ran out of time last time, but I just wanted to go over some major categories that I didn't have time to go over and maybe talk about some future events. So let's get started. I wanted to talk about the event of the year, and I wanted to talk about future UFC events. Every event, there's like 13 different fights, and I just wanted to discuss with you guys these fights. So I think a good way to start is the best event from last year, and I'm going to have some contenders, and then I'm going to discuss the best one. So I think a good contender for event of the year is UFC 295. Headlined by Yuri Prohoshka and Alex Pereira. This card was very good in my opinion. I saw it live with some friends. And it was so good. Uh, every fight on this card was a finish. We started off the card with Diego Lopez versus Pat Sabatini. Diego Lopez, a very interesting prospect. Very uh, good up-and-comer. I think he has potential to be the newcomer of this year or breakout star. He had a very good debut performance against the highly touted contender Mavzar Evloev. Very good fighter. Diego Lopez did very good uh, against him. He had a good fight, and now he is fighting. He just fought Pat Sabatini, another very hard unranked contender. He knocked him out in the first round. Very impressive win from Diego Lopez. We move on to the fourth fight of the main card. Matt Frivola versus the rising contender Benoit St. Denis. Benoit St. Denis knocked out Matt Frivola with a head kick into the first minute and a half of the first round. This is very impressive. Now seeing where Benoit St. Denis is after this knockout, he's getting huge promotional push. He's now getting the, I think, number three contender in Dustin Poirier. You might recognize him. He fought Conor McGregor and beat him twice. This that is going to be a very interesting fight, especially since we see how Benoit St. Denis fights. He's like a he's a marauder. He fights forward, nonstop action. Can't miss that fighter. Keep your eyes on him. Very interesting. Third fight on the card, Jessica Andrade versus Mackenzie Dern. I was very high on Mackenzie Dern going into this fight. Her ground game, her submissions are lethal, but Mackenzie Dern just lacks the ability to get the fight to the ground where she succeeds. And Sixel's best. Jessica Andrade kind of destroyed her and ate her up on the feet for two rounds. And in the middle of the second round, I think, Jessica Andrade hit her with a barrage of punches, and Mackenzie Dern just doesn't have the wherewithal to fight back on the feet, so she got pieced up by the very heavy hitter, very powerful Jessica Andrade. Very good underdog performance from Jessica Andrade. Now we move on to the co-main event. Tom Aspinall versus Sergei Pavlovich for the interim heavyweight title. And for those who don't know, an interim title is like the heavyweight championship, but like second place. So whoever has the interim belt, their next fight is supposed to be guaranteed for a heavyweight title belt. Tom Aspinall knocked out Sergei Pavlovich a minute into the first round. Very impressive, especially since Sergei Pavlovich was... Had a, had a full training camp coming into this fight. Tom Aspinall came in on two weeks' notice, right off the couch pretty much. And Tom Aspinall is so good. He still finished Sergey Pavlich, who, might I remind you, was on a five-knockout streak heading into this Tom Aspinall fight. But Tom Aspinall still clipped him early, 
one right hand to the dome, followed up with one more hammer fist, and the fight was over. Very impressive performance from Tam Aspinall, coming in on short notice. Main event, Yuri Prohoshka versus Alex Pereira. Kind of controversial controversial finish. I, I saw Alex Pereira winning this fight, and I was right. Alex Pereira in the second round hit a nasty left hook that dropped Yuri Prohoshka. Yuri Prohoshka fell down. Alex Pereira followed up with a bunch of elbows. Yuri Prohoshka was kind of out, but not really, and got finished regardless. So that is, in my opinion, the third best card of the year. The second best card of the year, in my opinion, is UFC 291 Poirier versus my favorite fighter of all time, Dustin Poirier, versus my favorite fighter of all time, Justin Gaethje. The first fight on this card was Michael Chiesa versus Kevin Holland. Michael Chiesa was coming off a pretty long layoff versus the extremely active Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland in the first round submitted Michael Chiesa with... He, he dropped Michael Chiesa with a knee and then cranked that submission and got Michael Chiesa out in the first round. And honestly, it feels like Michael Chiesa had really good potential at some point, but he's just, he's gone. No hope for Michael Chiesa. Fourth fight on the card was the Tony Ferguson versus Bobby Green fight. This was a very sad fight to watch, honestly. Tony Ferguson is, as of recording, on a seven-fight losing streak. Should retire, has not retired. I don't know why. He should have retired after his third loss, I think. No, after his fourth loss to Michael Chandler. I think he should have retired then. Regardless, he fought Bobby Green, a rising up-and-comer, up in yeah, up-and-comer. Kind of a veteran in the game, but was doing pretty good up to this fight. Pretty kind of competitive fight. Bobby Green was piecing him up, and then the fight goes to the ground where Tony Ferguson, in my opinion, had a perceived advantage. But Bobby Green got that arm triangle and submitted Tony Ferguson, leaving him unconscious with six seconds left into the fight. Pretty sad fight, but... Tony, you're asking for it now. At this point, you have to retire. It's hurting my brain watching you fight. Derek Lewis versus Marcos Rogeria de Lima. Another very exciting fight on this card. Mark Derek Lewis, 30, uh, Derek Lewis, five seconds into the fight, runs in and hits Marcos Rogerio de Lima with a f- double flying knee, knocks Rogerio de Lima out. For a little bit, Rogerio de Lima is still in there, and then Derek Lewis just kind of hammers away at him for 20 more seconds, it feels like, and then the ref calls it in, and Derek Lewis has one of the best post-fight celebrations of the year. That was an incredible fight. Derek Lewis, I had no idea, would have come in with a double flying knee to the face and won in 30 seconds knockout. And Derek Lewis was on a losing streak coming into this fight, so Derek Lewis kind of saved his career with this one. Very happy to see him win. The second fight on this card is Jan Blachowicz versus Alex Pereira. Alex Pereira has been very active this year, even though he was knocked out at the beginning by Israel Adesanya. He comes back, fights at a heavier weight class against a arguably more powerful hitter than Adesanya in Jan Blachowicz. Very controversial decision. I do think Alex Pereira won this fight, though. I think... I think off of damage, he won this fight. I think it was pretty clear that he won the second and third round after getting controlled for the first round. Jan Blahovich gassed so hard in this fight after the first round of just grappling. If you are able to turn Jan Blahovich, 
Adesanya and Yuri Prohashka into quote-unquote grapplers, that's how you know you're a scary striker. Nobody wants to strike with Alex Pereira, and it shows why. He just beat Jan Blahovic and then and then got, went and beat Yuri Prohashka at 295. Alex Pereira's going far, man, especially since beating Adesanya the first time. That really blasted him into superstardom. He might headline UFC 300 as of recording. Who knows? But the main event on this card was the highlight of the whole night for me. Dustin Poirier gets knocked out by Justin Gaethje in the second round with a head kick KO. Justin Gaethje fakes the right hand, comes up with the right high kick to the head, and Dustin Poirier makes a brutal, fatal mistake of trying to block a head kick with one arm. The damage of the head kick still gets through as one arm isn't enough to fully protect you, and Dustin Poirier gets knocked out cold. Absolutely beautiful finish from Justin Gaethje. Nothing more beautiful than a head kick knockout. And I still stand by that. One of the best knockouts and cards of the year. But really, it's not even a question of what was the best card of the year, in my opinion. Sadly, I didn't buy this one. I should have, but it was UFC 290. We start off the card with the rising contender Bo Nickel against the short-notice replacement in Val Woodburn. Bo Nickel just gets rid of Val in 30 seconds with a barrage of punches. Not really a competitive fight. I want to see Bo Nickel fight some actual legitimate contenders. Val Woodburn, he's good, but he does not belong in Bo Nickel uh, place. He does not belong to be in that cage with Bo Nickel. The fourth fight on the card is a contender for fight of the year, Jalen Turner versus Dan Hooker. I went into this fight thinking Jalen Turner had Dan Hooker's number and was just going to destroy Dan Hooker. I thought he was going to eat him up. I thought he was going to eat up his legs with leg kicks and then maybe finish Dan Hooker. Jalen Turner's very big for the weight class. He's a, I saw him sparring with Sean Strickland, the middleweight champ, and Jalen Turner's a lightweight, by the way. Sean Strickland is middleweight. Jalen Turner looked bigger than Sean Strickland. That is insane. But anyway, Dan Hooker somehow ate Jalen Turner's shots in the first round. Near the second round, almost finished Jalen Turner with a rear naked choke where it looked like Jalen's eyes were going to pop out. It was insane. And then in the third round, Dan Hooker comes out like a man on the mission, like a man on a mission and just eats up Jalen Turner for that third round. Very close decision, which honestly, I think all the best fights are close decisions. But Dan Hooker should have won this fight and did won th- and did win this fight. Very good from Dan Hooker. Sadly, he didn't get that Bobby Green fight. His arm broke prior to that fight happening, but I think he'll come back, and I don't think Dan Hooker's career is over just yet, like some people were saying before this Jalen Turner fight. Third fight on the card, Robert Whitaker versus Drickus Duplessis. Another underdog performance. This fight was just full of them. I went into this fight confident, like everybody else, Robert Whitaker would eat up Drickus Duplessis. Drickus Duplessis was not very... Uh, he didn't look very good going into this fight. Drakus Duplessis was on a good f- long winning streak, but he looks. If you see Drakus Duplessis fights, fi- if you see Drakus Duplessis fight, he looks very wild. He looks very powerful, but he doesn't look like he has a lot of technique. Robert Whitaker is kind of the act is kind of the opposite. Robert Whitaker, I wouldn't really say has the most power in the world. He has some good kicking power, but punches isn't really where he succeeds. Uh, power-wise. Either way, I thought Robert Whitaker was just going to outclass Drakus Duplessis for three rounds. I thought Robert's technique was too much, but Drakus 
cracks Robert Whitaker with a right hand in the second round, barrages him, and finishes him in brutal fashion. Amazing win from Dracus Duplessis. I want to see more from this guy. And he's fighting uh, this January as of recording in like 10 days against Robert Whitaker. Oh, sorry, against uh, Sean Strickland for the middleweight belt. That is going to be an interesting fight. I think I'll save my predictions for who might win that fight either in a later episode or later on if I have time. The second, the fourth fight on this card was for the flyweight title against Brandon Moreno versus one of his many rivals, Alexander Pantoja. Alexander Pantoja going into this fight, if you include the amateurs, amateur scene, was 2-0 and against Brandon Moreno, and I had Alexander Pantoja winning this fight. And in a fight of the year, in my opinion, not even debatable, I believe this fight was fight of the year. It was the most exciting fight by far, which is saying something, especially since this was after Dan Hoker versus Jalen Turner. Brandon Moreno versus Alexander Pantoja went to war for five rounds. Pantoja won a very close decision. They were both bloodied up, both a mess. Pantoja highlights, I would say, Pantoja of were Pantoja dropping him in the first round, and it was just a back-and-forth war. Brandon Moreno showed some amazing boxing technique. Pantoja showed off his amazing jiu-jitsu like he always does. Pantoja came out on top in the fight of the year. The main, f- the headlining fight of this fight, of the main, the headlining fight of this card was Alexander Pantoja versus Yair Rodriguez. Yair Rodriguez was coming off that amazing performance against Josh Emmett, the heaviest hitter in the division. He dismantled Josh Emmett with kicks to the body and then submitted Josh Emmett with a triangle choke. Volkanovski kind of on the opposite, moved up to lightweight after dominating the featherweight division for so long, lost a close decision to Islam Makachev in an arguable fight of the year. Uh, Then Volkanovski, after that first fight with Islam Makachev, moved down again to his original weight class, fought Yair Rodriguez, and finished Yair in the third round. Wasn't really that close of a fight, but still exciting for what it was. Yair landed some really good shots in that third round, but overall... Volkanovski just destroyed and dismantled Yair Rodriguez. That was by far the best card of the year, UFC 290. Now I believe it's time to move on to other cards that are happening in 2024 that are going to start off 2024. And I think a good place to start would be UFC 297, headlined by Sean Strickland, the middleweight champ, and Drickus Duplessis. This card is looking okay. Not the most stacked card that's been announced. UFC 299 is by far the most stacked card of the year, and I cannot wait to talk about that. But I would have Sean Strickland winning over Drakus Duplessis. I think Drakus Duplessis is powerful, and he showed a lot of his holes fixed in that Robert fight. But I still believe if it goes to the championship rounds, championship rounds being rounds four and five, uh, I believe Sean Strickland will be able to just eat up Drakus Duplessis, who gets tired pretty easily. I think those first round and I think those first couple rounds are going to be very tough for Sean Strickland. I think Drakus Duplessis can do a lot of things early on, but I think if Sean Strickland has the good de- has good defense, which he always does, he has amazing defense, boxing defense especially. He just beat Adesanya with mainly defense, but if he can defend against Drakus Duplessis' onslaught in the first two rounds, I think he could win a comfortable decision or eat him up and TKO him in the fourth and fifth rounds. Other memorable fights on this card I want to go over, Raquel Pennington versus Myra Brano-Silva for the women's bantamweight title. 
I think this is going to be a pretty boring fight, but I think Myra Brandon Silva, it's just she's on the up and coming. Raquel Pennington has been there and done that for so long. I think her time, honestly, I don't think she's her time is up. I just want her time to be up because I think we need some new fresh faces in the division. And I don't want someone who lost to the last champ to who lost to Amanda Nunes, the former champ, to win the title. I think Myra Branisova by maybe submission in the third round makes a lot of sense. Myra Branisova in the third round. Then I have Mike pa- uh, Mike Malott versus Neil Magny. I have Mike Malott. Neil Magny is. Another veteran that has been there and done that. Mike Malat is on the up and coming. Very impressive, rising Canadian star. He's going to be a big hit in the Canadian scene. Mike Malat, a very heavy hitter. I think he's going to finish Neil Magny or win a good decision. 29-28 decision against Neil Magny. Uh, I'm expecting an impressive performance for Mike Mallet nonetheless. One more fight I want to talk about on this card is Arnold Allen versus Mavzar Evloev. Um... Mavzar Evloev is, in my opinion, a, uh, how do I say this nicely? It, I can't. A decision merchant. He had doesn't get finishes a lot, even on a short notice, Diego Lopez. He had a close fight with him. Mavzar Evloev is impressive. I know he's really good. He's one of those fighters who doesn't get the recognition he deserves, kind of like a uh, Leon Edwards before he got the t- title. But I think uh, Mazlar Edwards versus Arnold Allen, I think Arnold Allen is going to eat him up on the feet, really. I think Arnold Allen is going to piece him up in, I would say, maybe a pretty boring decision. But maybe Arnold Allen just blitzes him like he did Dan Hooker in their fight and finishes him in the first round. I don't see that happening. I think Arnold Allen is just going to piece him up for three rounds and leave Mavzar in a bad, bad mess. Now, the next... UFC card happening in February, that's my birthday month, shout out February, <laughs> is Alexander Volkanovsky versus Ilya Teporia. I have Ilya Teporia winning this fight, sadly. Not because Ilya Teporia is, like, so skilled. He is. He's definitely one of the most skilled featherweights, and this is one of the most skilled fights you can put on right now. Alexander Volkanovsky is just coming off a head kick loss in October and is coming back in February to fight the heaviest now that Josh Emmett isn't really going to be fighting for a title anytime soon maybe he might fight Max Holloway and beat him but he's fighting probably the second heaviest hitter in Ilya Teporia and if anybody can knock out Volkanovski right now again it would be Ilya Teporia I have Ilya Teporia by honestly early knockout and I feel like it's going to be a sad sad sight to see I want Volkanovski to win. I think he's the man, but I think Ilya Teporia is going to win this, and I'm going to be I'm going to be an Ilya Teporia f- uh, fan after this. I think I think Ilya Teporia is really good. He's really skilled. He has that charisma, and I think he will knock out Volkanovski. Uh, the second fight on this card that I want to talk about is Marab Davalashvili versus Henry Cejudo. Marab is not getting a title shot because Sean O'Malley has picked and choose his opponents all sh- all you know all good to him if i could pick and choose my opponents i would pick two but marab the biggest threat to the title is fighting the former title ch- uh, challenger henry cejudo henry cejudo came back after a long layoff losing a very close fight to aljamain sterling which i actually had henry cejudo winning but whatever uh henry cejudo versus marab devashvili 
Davalashvili. Henry Cejudo, in my opinion, should win this fight. Henry Cejudo is... But every time I say that, Henry Cejudo loses or has a very competitive fight. I think he should have won the Aljamain Sterling fight just based off styles. Henry Cejudo has very good takedown defense, very good stand-up, and I think if Henry Cejudo can stuff the takedowns of Marab, which Marab is just... Has his best asset is his cardio, and he spams takedowns and just tires people out. If you look at his performance against Peter Yan, Peter Yan is a monster. Peter Yan is a terrifying person, and Marab ate him up for five rounds. I still think Henry Shahudo should win this fight. I'm honestly hoping he what he does because unlike most people, I do like Henry Shahudo, and I think Henry Shahudo by decision should maybe 29, 28, 30, 27. I think Henry Cejudo should win this fight quite quite handedly. Another fight I want to talk about is Tatiana Suarez versus Amanda Lemos. Tatiana Suarez is, I'm saying right now, she's going to get the title by the end of 2024. Amanda Lemos just got brutally dominated by Zhang Weilin, one of the worst title challenger performances I've ever seen. She landed, what, 20 strikes an entire fight compared to Zhang Weili's like 200,000% more strikes. Zhang Wei Li ate her up. I think Tatiana Suarez is going to do horrific things to her. I think Tatiana Suarez dominates and destroys Amanda Lemos for a maybe late submission or decision. Tied to, Ivar, tied to Ivasa versus Marchin Tybora is the last fight I really want to talk about on this card. Tied to Ivasa coming off those three hard losses. Marchin Tybora coming off that hard loss to Aspinall. This is a winnable fight for Tied to Ivasa. This is a winnable fight. I still, because Tai Tuivasa is, he's very good, but whenever he gets hit, he just throws all his technique out the window. He has very good leg kicks, very good power, very good technique in his shots. He can knock out anybody in the world. He just ha- doesn't have the best fight IQ. Marchin Tybura does have power, but he keeps everything technical all the time. And I think Tai Tuivasa will be able to crack Marchin Tybura and maybe get that victory and hopefully pull off a shoey with the crowd. That would be an amazing sight to see. Actually, no. I want to talk about Anthony Hernandez versus Ikram Maliskarov on this fight. Anthony Hernandez came off that dominating win over Edmund Shabazian. He showed very good cardio in that fight, being able to just keep up high pressure with Edmund Shabazian. He was getting kind of hit too much on the feet. He has a bad habit of leaning to his right too much, and I think that is a bad recipe for if you're fighting Ikram Maliskarov, who has a very dangerous... One two, he could. I could see a world where he cracks Anthony Hernandez. Anthony Hernandez drops, and that is it. I could. I see a world where Ikram Aliskarov just keeps getting first round knockouts until he reaches the rankings. I think Ikram Aliskarov by first or second round knockout. Call me crazy, but I think that's possible. I don't think that's that crazy to say. I think I have time to talk about a little bit of UFC 299. I'm not going to go over the fights right now. I will do that in hopefully the next episode. But 299 is, in my opinion, what UFC 300 should be. UFC 300 has some of fights has some fights announced in January, February, March, April, in April, and UFC 300 is looking good. It's looking very good. Charles Oliveira just recently got added to that card. I'm going to talk about that fight in the next episode too. That fight and card looks. Very good. 299 looks like the most stacked card I've seen in a very long time, however. So many bangers. 18 of the 22 fighters on UFC 299 are contenders. I don't know what the UFC thinks they're cooking, but they better have a really, 
really good UFC 300, if they want to compete with UFC 299. This to UFC 299 is what UFC 300 should have been. And by the way, when I say UFC X number, that's just the event. All the events are numbered. So let's say 299. That is UFC's technically, theoretically, 299th event. So 300 supposed to be big. 299 is looking insane right now. I can't wait to talk about that card. 300 better be good because I it can't be getting blown out by 299. Maybe 300 is looking good. I'm The only thing that makes me worry is that Conor McGregor will not be on UFC 300. Uh, so it is told by Conor McGregor, but who knows? UFC 300, I got some... I got doubts about it, but I think Dana White always cooks with their fights, so I think it'll be all okay. I think 300, regardless, is going to be a good card. I don't know if it's going to be better than 290. Fingers crossed, though. Who knows? This is Ben Bartels with Cage Talk. Everybody have a great day. Episode 2, over.